Welcome, Creighton Blue Jay fans, to another episode of Blue Jays Bites podcast, White and Blue Reviews exclusive weekly podcast chronicling all Creighton sports, or at least the ones that we have time to run through in 20 to 30 minutes. My name is Bryant Ott. I write as Creighton Honor on the site. I'm your host every week for our first foray into podcasting. Joining me tonight, Matt D. Marinus. Matt, say hello. Hello. Hi. Matt's our man on campus, on the hilltop, every day, in and out, talking to coaches, talking to players, covering games, covering matches, recapping. You guys all know and love him. And we love that he's able to join us on a weekly basis to bring us inside the Blue Jays programs that we follow most closely and that you fans care about most deeply so that we get a little bit better understanding of what's going on with the white and the blue and the Creighton Blue Jays. So, Matt, obviously last weekend, a lot of action going on. Uh, Men's soccer out of town on Friday, volleyball out of town all weekend. Give us a little bit of the lay of the land, starting with volleyball, as they had had equal parts um, quality showing um, and frustration in their trip out to the uh, Los Angeles Invitational. Yeah, I think, you know, accurately described that right there. It was kind of a roller coaster roller coaster weekend for them. Started it off with a, a uh, with a sweep of Northern Iowa, um, who is obviously um, their oldest rival. I think they've played them more times than any other team in their, you know, in their program's history. So they started off well with that. I think uh, – Late game situations were pretty strong for Creighton, and as far as how they pulled out that match, um, Northern Iowa was known as a really good passing team. I know Kirsten Bernthal Booth was really, uh, really concerned about that area as far as how her team would deal with that, um, and crediting Northern Iowa and how they're able to be successful. Um, she has a lot of respect for that program, obviously, um, from having to compete against it for so many years in the Missouri Valley Conference. But late in the yeah late in the each set, I think Creighton was able to kind of just string together, you know, a good enough run towards the end of each set to pull it out um, and get the sweep. Then they follow that up the next morning, following morning, kind of laying an egg against Kentucky. Although um, you know that's not to say that Kentucky isn't a good team, but uh, you know they came into that match. Both teams were pretty evenly matched as far as you know. When you look the year before, Kentucky swept them, then um, Creighton's got them back last year, beating them when they were in the top ten um, to finish out a week. And so I think it was a little surprising to, to uh, fans, especially staff and players, that they kind of got run off the court by the Wildcats um, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, yes, they really never swept think, by Kentucky there three to nothing in the first of those two games out in California on Saturday, yeah? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think you know the first couple sets started off pretty competitive. Um, Kentucky was was in the driver's seat for both of those sets, but uh, it wasn't like Creighton was getting outmatched, outclassed. Uh, they were kind of in both sets, but then Kentucky pulled it out towards the end of those to you know go into intermission up two to nothing. But they really never slowed down, and even the third set was just a kind of a Creighton kind of got hit by a bus. Um, 
they lost 25-13 in a set that they obviously needed to win to extend the match. And, uh, you know, Kentucky ended up hitting 415 for the entire for the entire match, which is a ridiculously high number. And uh, they hit 480 with no attack errors at all in the third set to finish off the Blue Jays. So it wasn't quite how the afternoon, it wasn't quite how Creighton wanted to build off the Northern Iowa win and the Iowa State win. They figured they were going in with more momentum, but Kentucky kind of ran them over. And then uh, in the nightcap against USC, they regrouped, uh, made a couple of lineup adjustments. They, you know, inserted Taryn Cloth. Um, who's a uh, six foot four outside hitter? They moved her into the uh, starting lineup for Jess Bird, and um, she had a you know her best match, two three kills, and she was kind of pretty much uh, the go to offensive threat um, against the Trojan. But uh, you know it was a, one of the it was a really good match. Uh, Creighton really responded um, to this afternoon's disappointment in Kentucky and they really took it to a USC team who was kind of hitting their stride that weekend they um, I think they swept Kentucky and beat Northern Iowa in four sets so you know they were kind of running through that tournament and then Creighton uh, won the first set lost the second lost the third um, really kind of controlled the fourth set to force the fifth game and um, just looked like they kind of ran out of gas towards the end a little bit there sure. but um, you know I guess, go, but I, overall, I think going into the third week of the two, uh, two fifth set losses away from home on your record, I think, you know, at the end of the year, when if Creighton doesn't end up, you know, getting to be one of those teams who hosts if they make the NCAA tournament, I think those two losses will come back to bite them in their in the uh, Wichita State and the USC losses. But uh, as far as you know, trying to get this team to peak at the right time and building the process and getting it going, I think. Um, it was good to see them respond after getting um, beat by Kentucky the way they did against a really good USC team. Yeah, and I think obviously this was not the last time in the non-conference that the Blue Jays will face uh, ranked opponents, quality opponents. Uh, we can talk a little bit later about the Blue Jay Invitational coming up this weekend and how that starts Thursday night with a visit to Omaha by number four, Kansas. But Coach Booth's going to have, and her team's going to have, a lot of opportunities here because of that non-conference schedule to uh, to pick up some big wins. But again, that non-conference schedule, you, n- you need to pick some of those up, right? Because when you talk about hosting, when you talk about the quote-unquote resume, those things are all going to come into play, um, even if you end the season on quite the roll like they did last year. Uh, not to say that it'll happen this year, but you know you've got to you got to make sure that you pick up a couple W's here and there, and and those are going to definitely look like missed opportunities for the Blue Jays, especially that match against Kentucky, because like you said, it, it was not as competitive as I'm sure Coach Booth and the Blue Jays would have liked. Absolutely, yeah. I think you know I think as you've seen from throughout the years, even um, I think when you saw. Uh, Coach Bruce start to put these schedules together. Uh, she likes to really test her group, no matter what, you know, just to see what kind of team she has. But, you know, in years past, the narrative has kind of been, well, you know, we want to play all these top teams and you know prove that we can compete with them. And I think now they've kind of moved into a stage where they're scheduling these top teams because they know they can beat them and they want to, you know, they want to do that. So it's not, you know, they come out of matches against these top teams, you know, if they lose, they're disappointed. 
they're not there's no more moral victories um, at this stage of the game. I think they've moved on to a point in the program where they feel confident enough that they can uh, that they belong on the court with these top teams and that they should be able to beat some of them and get some wins, like you said. So, yeah, there's definite they're definitely not happy losing matches anymore. That's for sure. Sure. And um, I know you're going to be down around campus this weekend. I'll be out of town, but uh, White and Blue Review will have all of the coverage this weekend of Soctoberfest, which is Friday night, and then the Blue Jay Invitational, which is Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Matt, talk a little bit about what you're expecting to see from Coach Booth's team. They start things off Thursday night against Kansas, nationally ranked top five team early in the season, and then TCU and Chattanooga for the Jays as well. Yeah, uh, you think going back home and, you know, you see teams schedule their home openers and you think, you know, it'd be a nice way to get a win and build some momentum and home, home and get the crowd fired up. And then, you know, you get the schedule Coach Booth put together and they have, a, you know, a Final Four team. Kansas went up for the first, uh, for the home. It's not like, yeah, she's not making it easy. Um I think Kansas is, you know, they're still they're undefeated this year. They're on an absolute tear, even building off of last season. I think they're, you know, they're ranked fourth in the country. Um, yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough test on Thursday night. I know, I know it's you know it's not a match they'll be favored to win for sure, but you know, once again, stepping on their home court, especially they don't think DJ Sokol Arena is a place where they should lose any matches, regardless of who's regardless of the opponent. So. Um, but yeah, Kansas, TCU, and Chattanooga this weekend for uh, Creighton at the Blue Jay Invitational is really going to test them, and you know it'll be it'll be good for them to stay home for once and kind of get to play in front of their home crowd, and you know the students will obviously show out and uh, you know cheer them on, and it'll I'm assuming it'll be a pretty good atmosphere on Thursday for sure. Friday will be interesting going head to head with soccer, but um, you know from there's a lot of buzz around athletics right now around the campus. So I think, you know, I'd expect an exciting atmosphere for all the sporting events this weekend, especially volleyball. Yeah. I think, uh, Soctoberfest, this is, I think what the fourth or fifth annual Soctoberfest, uh, a nice event Friday night, women's soccer will play South Dakota at five. And then the men's soccer team, which just dropped out of the top 10 for the first time since 2014, uh, after a weekend that we'll recap here in a couple minutes, but uh, men's soccer will host Pennsylvania, 730. Uh, a lot of activities going on around Morrison Stadium, beer gardens and steins and pretzels and all the good stuff that, you know, the, the soccer uh, is almost, uh, for some of these folks, going to be secondary, but that's okay. Get a lot of people down there. Great atmosphere. Hopefully the weather holds. But um, like you mentioned, volleyball sandwiched in between the women's soccer and men's soccer matches with a six o'clock uh six o'clock start against tcu um earlier in the that afternoon chattanooga and kansas will play the first of the two matches that day at dj sokol arena so like you said a lot going on this weekend especially friday that trickles into saturday with tcu and chattanooga scoring off at noon and then the blue jays getting uh yeah the blue jays getting chattanooga at seven o'clock that night um, so a little bit lopsided there for Chattanooga playing two two matches in one day on Saturday, but a good opportunity for Kirsten Bernthal Booth's Blue Jays to get back in the swing of things, get some home cooking, 
and hopefully even out this record and, and head in the positive side of the ledger, picking up some W's. Um, I know, Matt, you uh, you were at the men's soccer match uh, last night, Labor Day, and um, that was the second match the men played in three days, uh, four days, I guess. And they went uh, 0-1-1 this weekend uh, to drop out of the top 10 and, and had a had an interesting weekend. When you talk about challenging with Final Four opponents and KU coming to play uh, the volleyball program here on Thursday night, the Blue Jays Friday night went out to Clemson and played national runner-up last season in a game that they had ultimately lost one to nothing. Um, what were what was your perspective from kind of following that game from afar? Early goal by the Tigers. The Blue Jays couldn't get on the board, and they left uh, South Carolina with a one zero loss. Uh, yeah, my I guess my impressions were I think you know Creighton played well enough to win or get a result out of that match, but. Uh, that early goal, I think it kind of just stunned them a little bit. I don't know if they were, I don't know if they just weren't ready or I didn't really get any, you know, post-match. Uh, I didn't get to talk to Elmar post-match for that one, but, um, uh, you know, Clemson's, Clemson's Oliver Shannon kind of made a, I don't know, a, a nice run down the, down the left flank and it looked like, uh, Mitch Legro kind of stepped a little too aggressively or something, and you know he kind of got beat pretty bad. And um, Peter Prescott tried to, you know, made a nice uh, use a nice angle to cut off Shannon as he you know made his way towards the box, but uh, and then Legro kind of filtered in behind him, and it kind of created a three tier window between Prescott, Legro, and uh, Creighton goalkeeper Alex Cap for Shannon to. There really wasn't much of a window for him to shoot. Um, and Cap was kind of playing towards the middle of the goal to kind of, you know, in case he decided to go top shelf on the far post. But um, Shannon ended up sneaking a ball past Prescott and in between uh, Cap inside the near post, which if you see it, it's, I still don't know. It's I don't know why he decided to shoot at that angle, but it was, you know, it went in. So, you know, he played it low and, uh, you know, Cap tried to make a slow. And I think it caught him off guard that he actually did choose to go low near post. So it kind of caught everybody off guard and, you know, got Clemson up one nothing right away. And, uh, you know, it ended up even on shots 10 to 10. So they played, I think, you know, well enough to, like I said, get a result, get at least a tie out of that. But, you know, they never could find the back of the net. And that's kind of been the story of their, their season so far is, you know, they're definitely not as uh, prolific as they were in the attack letter. So going forward, that's going to be, you know, something that they're trying to work on. They're trying to find the right formation and trying to find where players are most effective and, you know, trying to bolster their attacking third a little bit. And that inability to finish um, kind of reared its head a little bit Monday night too. Last night, men's soccer in the first, I guess, Dodge Street Derby, people were calling it. But uh, Nebraska, Omaha, Jason Mims, Tim Walters, they brought the Mavericks down to Morrison Stadium. Blue Jays and Mavericks knotted up at one apiece after two overtimes, so that goes in the books as a draw. I know that you were down there and you got to speak to players and coaches from both sides after the match. What was that atmosphere like? What were the takeaways after speaking with the participants 
in what was really uh, an evenly contested game, at least physically, between those two programs. Yeah, the atmosphere was incredible down there. Probably one of the best I've seen um, at Morrison Stadium just in my time covering, uh, you know, soccer matches there. Obviously, it's, you know, only a handful of years, so I might be angering a few diehards with that comment. But, uh, yeah, forty. I think it was 47-66 was the attendance. Um, I think it came in as the 11th largest um, in men's soccer history at Morrison Stadium, so... Um, it was a pretty big crowd, as you know, and very loud. We were sitting, you know, the press box kind of sits up above the visitors' bench, and kind of where the visitors, uh, you know, most of the visiting team gets to, you know, gets their tickets. So the UNO side of things was really loud for us in the press box. We could hear all their chants, you know, all their uh, all their taunts and all their cheering, and uh, but you know, all into you know, from what I was I was talking to a few. Uh, people that were at the game earlier today and, you know, the student section at Creighton was rocking. And um, just by sheer numbers alone, it was an incredible student turnout. Uh, you know, they have that whole bleacher section that's kind of below the scoreboard. And then there's the two grassy areas to the left and right that kind of, you know, connect the whole thing in that, um, in that end zone. And it was filled from grass, from edge of the grass to edge of the grass. So it was an incredible turnout for the students. And, uh, you know, players, coaches, everybody involved said it was an incredible match, incredible atmosphere to be a part of. Um, and they I certainly think they'll be looking forward to doing that again as much as possible. As for the, uh, as for the match itself, you know, again, it was just, you know, Creighton took a little long to kind of get going. Uh, was, you know, UNO had the best, better instance early on in the match. Um, you know, they drew, and then, you know, obviously their goal came, they drew a foul just outside the 18, and uh, Fazlo Ali Hodzik uh, played a, you know, a free kick from the right flank um, over the wall. He bent it inside the near post and just over Alex Kett's hand. Um, just and a remarkable hit the shot. Post. I mean, it was, oh, it was perfect. Incredible shot. Right. Yeah, hit the, hit the near post, bounced, ricocheted off into the, uh, you know, the far side of the net. Um, he almost nailed it perfectly. So, but it was an incredible, incredible shot. And, you know, they kind of took a one up and get there. And then right back off that, it kind of woke them up. Um, I think Miles English, you know, drew a foul in the box, set up a penalty kick. But, uh, you know, UNO's keeper made an, you know, he he almost dove too far <laughs> to stop Lucas Stoffer's PK because he ended up saving it with the, you know, it ended up hitting and it looks like his kneecaps. Kind of I mean, rolls legs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stoffer almost, you know, Stoffer on his on his horse afterwards. He almost, you know, redirected it in off the ricochet, but um, he was able to corral it. But yeah, it was it was definitely a lot of momentum on the UNO side early on, and. uh you know, Noah Frankie, um, a right winger for Creighton. He's a junior out of Orlando. He had an incredible match. He was kind of the man of the match, I think, overall. Um, between the both teams, I think he played the best match out of anybody from what I saw. And he was really just terrorizing UNC defense on that side of the pitch. Uh, and, you know, coming out in the second half, he played a ball perfectly uh, through UNC. 
attack to hit Ricardo Perez in stride. I mean, it hit him in stride. Like, you know, you think of crossing patterns over the middle of a football field, like it hit Ricardo full speed on the run. Um, you know, he took one, Perez took one touch to beat the keeper and just drilled the ball into the, into the middle of the net to tie it up. Um, it was a beautiful goal, beautiful setup, uh, and kind of indicative of the way Frankie and Perez played all night. But that was pretty. That was that was it. I mean, Creighton, you know, had a few chances to score. UNO had a few chances that got close, but um, you know, Creighton ended up shooting them twenty-one to nine. Really, kind of controlled the match after um, after Frankie and Perez hooked up to tie it up. Um, they were just a little bit fresher side. They're a little bit deeper team, so the heat and as the game, as the match wore on, they kind of just asserted themselves a little more. But they never could find that, you know, that difference maker. Um, UNO was a little bit better in the air throughout the night, and so you know Creighton created 12 corner kicks, but you know you put those balls up in the air, and UNO was clearing them constantly, and wasn't even getting ahead on them. So you know I think that was the difference in the match was the way UNO was able to defend in the air. Um, I neutralized all of the effective effectiveness from Creighton's attack and. Um, ended up getting them out of there after 110 minutes with a draw. Which obviously is a, a great result for Nebraska-Omaha. Jason Mims and his program as he conti- continues to build up the Mavericks. And for the Blue Jays, you know, you come in off this weekend now with a loss and a draw. You come home, which is going to be great. It's Oktoberfest. Everybody's going to be excited. But I know you got to speak to Elmar after the match. Um, what were, what was his take? What was his perspective? Where does he feel like things are right now for his for his team here pretty early still in the season? I think he likes the formation they use against UNO. Um, I think he likes. I, I think he was pleased to see with uh, what Frankie was able to do and how he was able to be effective. And I think they're you know uh, they might take that match and look to utilize him a little more as far as being a catalyst going forward. Um, I think they think the formation that they put out there uh, makes him most effective, and you clearly saw that all night against you. He didn't he didn't rest at all. He played 110 minutes and just dominated. I mean, sometimes they moved him out to the middle a little bit, um, and I think that was just designed to get him a little break instead of having to always you know the balls on the right side and just create on his own, but uh, they liked what they saw in him. Uh, late in the match, they moved in the overtime periods, they moved Akeem Ward, who's normally a right back, to um, you know, up to the center forward position, and he was kind of, he got a couple shots off, and his speed really um, really, uh, you know, kind of took advantage of UNO's defense, and so I'm, I'm wondering if that's something they'll look at again. It sounded like it was something they did just because you know, guys kind of worn out, so I don't know if that's a plan going forward or not. But um, position in the you know short time that he was there, but yeah, they're constantly looking like the figuring out ways to be effective in the attacking third is you know priority number one going forward. Um, I think he's right now he's just a little bit. I think he said that they're just a little bit caught trying to find middle ground calm and you know too impatient and I think that's what he thinks is the main problem and why they're not you know finding that final connection or that breakthrough to how to get a goal and you know finish off some of these scoring chances they're trying to create so 
Um, I don't think they've lost this Oktoberfest match yet. So I'm, you know, Pennsylvania comes in um, zero zero and two. They drew with uh, American two to two, and then went to Seton Hall and uh, tied one one. So hmm. um, it'll be an interesting match. I don't think they have many seniors, so I think Creighton will be a more experienced group, obviously, and certainly they'll be favored to win. But we'll see if they're if the offense is able to get you know two or three goals in there to kind of feel good about themselves going forward. Yeah, because, I mean, I know that during um, the exhibition part of their schedule so far, you know, things were a little skittish, uh, that Missouri State game. Uh, but then they come up and they score two goals against Rutgers to win that road match. And then you kind of just, I don't know, as a casual fan like myself, you, you kind of take that sigh of relief and say, okay, you know, they're just working out some kinks. They're going to get things on the right track. But – um, obviously Clemson's a whole other ball game and to, to, to struggle to score there and, and not finish on some attempts, not finish on some shots on goal against the Mavs too. You're just, like you said, looking for that, that last third and how to make some magic happen down there because, you know, Fabian gone and, and what we were accustomed to seeing from him and others the last couple seasons, you're just you're grasping for that, right, as the casual fan, which, I mean, you know, there's going to be a lot of them that stroll in for Soctoberfest, and, and this is a good opportunity to showcase the program. I know you have 5,000 people there for the UNO match, and that's great, but, you know, every weekend at Morrison Stadium with home matches, it's a great atmosphere, and people just come down, and, and you need to put on a show for the for the home folks, and, and hopefully this weekend they can they – can, uh, they can find that spark and knock a couple in the back of the net. And I'd be remiss, Matt, if we didn't cover women's soccer before we we ended tonight. I know that you were for uh, you were down at Morrison Friday night for a home match between the Blue Jays, Ross Pauley's Blue Jays, and Kansas State, and then they went on the road Sunday. Can you give us a recap of the weekend of Creighton women's soccer? Started uh, a little a little less uh, a little less positively than I'm sure Coach Pauley would like, but ended on a Ended on a high note. Yeah, Friday night was an absolute gut punch. There's really no other way to put it. I mean, talk about a Kansas State team that's, you know, you don't really know what to expect from them. They're in their first year as a program, but, you know, obviously they're in the Big 12, so they have resources. So they have resources, and, uh, you know, you expect them to be somewhat competitive, and they were, you know, but Creighton got an early goal. Um and it looked like, you know, for the most part, they were the better side. They just couldn't find a second one. You know, they just didn't, you know, same problem that was plaguing the men this week. They just really couldn't, they really just couldn't connect in that attacking third of the field to find, you know, another score. So, you know, they ended up playing with fire with that one nothing lead. You're always, you know, you think you're in control of a match, but with a one nothing lead or even a 2 nothing lead when it can just, you know, one goal can kind of make you go, oh, no, you know, now we have to hold on. And then, uh, you know, Kansas State, in the, I think in the 86th minute, they got it. Uh, just off a little cross into the box, you know, that Creighton was kind of, you know, it, she, I think it was, uh, you know, Laramie Hall. And she was marked kind of, but, you know, not really aggressively. And she kind of got a free run. And really just as soon as it came to her foot, she kind of just took one touch, you know, and put it in the, you know, into the net to beat uh, – um, freshman keeper Mackenzie Miola in the 86 minutes tie it up. So it was like, okay, well, we're up one nothing, And then, you know, we haven't found the second goal yet, but we're trying to hang on, you know, and Kansas State's furiously trying to come back here. 
and then they get the equalizer late in the match, and it's like, okay, well, we've earned this win. We have to go get it. And then, and then Lauren Sullivan, you know, she does what she does. She, she, you know, everybody will tell you, even Coach Polly, that she creates, you know, something out of nothing. Um, and then, you know, she made a nice run to the end line, you know, just about a minute later after that, after that goal. Uh, she got knocked down in the box um, uh, for the, you know, to create a penalty kick situation. So Creighton was looking pretty good. And, you know, she lined up to take it herself, which is not something she's ever done in her career before. And, you know, I don't know if the fatigue affected her, you know, as far as the run she had to make because she, you know, didn't really waste any time between, you know, picking herself off the turf and then lining up to take the free kick so or the penalty kick. So I don't know what affected her, but she kind of shanked it off to the right. Um, it wasn't like the keeper stopped it or anything. She missed the entire frame of the goal. So, um, you know, that was kind of a gut check. Uh, you know, they ended up playing, you know, two overtime periods but couldn't find the, the game winner. And, you know, I had to settle for a draw in a match that, you know, they were a few minutes away from winning. And then even a minute after giving up an equalizer, they were they had a penalty kick um, opportunity to take the lead late with, like, two minutes left. So... It wasn't a match that they were happy with a draw. And so it was kind of good on the flip side to see them respond at South Dakota State um, on Sunday. You know, you play two overtimes, then you travel Saturday, then you go on the road Sunday. So, you know, the odds weren't necessarily in their favor, but they dominated the first half, I think. From what uh, Coach Polly was telling me after the match, um, sounded like win was a big factor in, you know, how each team played through the first 45, second 45. But uh, Creighton dominated the first 45. They were, I think they outshot South Dakota State 10 to 1 or something ridiculous like that. Um, but but still didn't score. So they went into halftime 0-0. Um, so they didn't really take advantage of it. And then bam, bam, bam. Uh, to start the second half, goals just started, started banging in from both sides. I think um, South Dakota State scored first. Yeah, just after and halftime. Which, yeah, which is something you never want to see dominate an entire half and don't score a goal is that opposing team <laughs> then gets just steals all your momentum, sucks all your wind out with a goal. You feel like you just wasted 45 minutes of energy right there. Um, but Lauren Sullivan, you know, picked herself up, dusted herself off from Friday's disappointment, um, scored the equalizer, and then – uh, found uh, freshman Taryn Jacobowski for the game winner um, just a few minutes later. I think all the goals were within like three or four minutes of the second half starting. So um, Creighton just kind of hung on to the 2-1 lead after that and got a pretty big win against South Dakota State on the road to, you know, carry into the some momentum before they face the other team from South Dakota in South Dakota on Friday. That'll be their next match. It'll be a home match. It'll kick off Soctoberfest on Friday, 5 o'clock. Live video, live stats available for that. But if you're a Blue Jays fan that's in the area, we really can't stress enough how fun this Oktoberfest experience is if you haven't been able to enjoy it in the past or if you want to make up for my inability to be there drinking beer this weekend. Um, I would highly suggest I won't pay for your stein, but you can go ahead and just tell them, you know, you're a white and blue review fan and you want a little bit extra top off there on the top of the stein um, as you watch the women go up against South Dakota at five, the men 
against the University of Pennsylvania at 7.30. Obviously, volleyball sandwiched in there as well. 6 o'clock against TCU. Thursday night, Blue Jay Volleyball hosts number four, Kansas. 7 o'clock is the start there at Sokol Arena. And then Saturday, um, there's some volleyball as well. Uh, women's volleyball against Chattanooga at 7. Um, but then after that, we've got a little bit of a break, um, which will be great because everybody can kind of take a deep breath around these parts. We've got a lot of guys covering a lot of events this weekend for White and Blue Review, so you'll be able to see all the recaps, all the coverage, all the photos, all the instant analysis, and all of those pieces over the course of the weekend into the start of next week. And then we've got some men's soccer and some volleyball, another big opportunity, some big uh, road matches for Kirsten Bernthal Booth's team the following weekend from this. But, um, you know, not to get too far down the road, big weekend for Blue Jays Athletics this weekend, early September. Weather should be hopefully great. We'll cross our fingers. The only two people, somebody today was trying to tell me that the game might get rained out on Friday or some, you know, some inclement weather. And I said the only two people that can control the weather or at least know it down to the, the minute details are the big man above and then Ed Service. And I haven't heard from Ed yet that there's going to be any, you know, really bad inclement weather. So I know you were going to try to talk to him this week about the baseball program, Matt. So maybe if you can talk to Ed, the uh, meteorologist, and see what he's got to say about what to expect this weekend. But uh, <laughs> rain or shine, I think the Blue Jays uh, events that the athletic department works so hard to put together, market, and execute – uh, they'd love to see all you Blue Jay fans down there hoisting steins and cheering on the soccer teams and volleyball as well. So anything else, Matt, you want to add? Anything stuck in your craw? Anything that you experienced over the course of the last couple of days covering the Blue Jays that you want to share with all of these loyal listeners? Uh, Batman Superman is a fantastic movie. That's all I have to say. Okay, well, that's probably another podcast that you need to start. And you'll probably have a much larger audience for that argument than you will for the stuff that we're doing. But I know that our our listeners, which grow, have grown every week so far. This is just episode number four. But uh, we really appreciate you guys tuning in, listening, whether it's on uh, Inside the Post or downloading those podcasts. We're still working to get a good number of these up and and ready to load to iTunes so that they can uh, we'll have a nice little footprint that people can subscribe to and you can get this stuff uh, as we publish it, which we plan to do more and more as, you know, soccer and volleyball make way into the start of basketball practice and basketball camp, Uh, getting everybody healthy there. Um, I know you plan, Matt, to talk to to Coach Flannery sometime this week as well. So a lot of stuff to look forward to, Blue Jays fans, as, as these Blue Jays Bites podcasts keep coming to you on a weekly basis. Uh, We hope to uh, we hope to bring you a lot of stories about a lot of Blue Jay wins next week. But until then, uh, I want to thank Matt DeMoranis for joining me tonight. And I want to thank you for listening. And uh, hope to see you out uh, at the events this weekend. If you see anybody rocking their white and blue review Nike polos, stop by. Tell them hi. Uh, tell them thanks because they're out there covering Blue Jay sports because they love it and because you love it. And uh, they just want to do a great job. and and bring you guys perspectives that you don't normally see through other media channels. So with that, I'm just going to go ahead and sign off tonight and say go Jays.